Welcome to episode number 79 of the Rock and Roll Research Podcast, where we share the super cool backstories and side gigs of the research and insights pros that you trust. Very excited today to welcome Elizabeth Salisbury to the podcast. Hey, Elizabeth. (laughs) Now, Elizabeth has been with Cox Enterprises for the past four and a half years or so. The first two and a half were as a research analyst, and the last two have been as an employment brand manager. Now, for those who aren't immediately familiar with Cox, uh, you've probably used some of Cox Automotive's automotives, uh, brands in the past, things like the Auto Trader and the Kelly Blue Book, of course. And Cox Communications is, in fact, the nation's largest private broadband company. Now, a couple of interesting facts about Cox. They've long been recognized as a leading company for women and has 13 times been ranked among Diversity Inc.'s top 50 companies. So really good stuff. But why I'm so thrilled to have Elizabeth with me today is she just launched her debut album. So cool. Something like 10 days ago or so, right? Mm -hmm, That's right. Awesome. So it's a very cool EP of holiday tunes called Peppermint. And uh, it's really awesome stuff. It's available right now on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Amazon Music. In fact, all the same places you can get the Rock and Roll Research Podcast. So after you listen to this episode, uh, why don't you go to your favorite podcasting site and do a twofer. (laughs) Do a twofer. Elizabeth Salisbury and the Rock and Roll Research Podcast. All right. We're going to talk about all that and more on today's podcast. So welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you. I have... uh, I have my colleague at Market Vision, Colleen Hennigan, to thank for that. She alerted me to your record, and I listened to it, and I love it. It's really great stuff. You're an amazing singer, I must say. Thanks, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it kind of got me in a Christmas mood. Um, I don't own a uh, an ugly Christmas sweater, unfortunately, so the best I can do is is a red dive bar t-shirt. So I hope, I hope that's all right. Very festive. <laughs> it's perfect. All right. Okay, cool. Um, so let's, let's, let's talk uh, career first. So um, tell us about how you got to Cox in a research role and how you've moved out of that into more of a consumer of research role. Sure. Um, well, first of all, I'm really impressed with the research you've done on the company. Uh, Cox is one of those places they cross so many different industries and have so many different brands. Um, you know, sometimes people have heard of them, but they're not always sure, you know, what all the different divisions of the company are. But uh, but you're correct. I started at Cox Automotive back in 2018 uh, in the research and market intelligence department. Um, so think of it as an in-house agency that services all of the automotive brands. It's a really terrific group of researchers. Um, cool. I, I hadn't had any formal research uh, experience before I joined that team. So they really took me under their wing and uh, it was just a, I, a fantastic experience. And uh, then at the end of 2020, um, at that point, I had networked within the company to a bit and um, I knew I wanted to move into more of a a marketing role. 
okay. consumer of research, as you say. Sure. Um, so yeah, now I'm at the parent company, uh, Cox Enterprises, um, which is the holding company for Cox Auto, Cox Communications. I focus on um, employment branding, so storytelling uh, and promoting Cox is a great place to work. Very cool. Very cool. So let me dig a little bit into that, that research position. So uh, you mentioned you took the role uh, without having any formal experience coming in. So what what was attractive about it? And what what was it about you that uh, made them say, you know what? Sure, let's let's give this a try. Wow. Okay. So as as far as the first question, what was attractive? Um, I heard about this role through a mentor and friend of mine who worked remotely um, for Cox in Johnson City, Tennessee, which is where I'm from originally. Okay. So that was that was the inroad. Um, and I, for one thing, I think uh, the size of the company and the the purpose focused mission, um, just a really solid foundation. I, I saw that this was a company doing a lot of good in the world where I had lots of runway to grow um, and being in my early career, you know, I was just ready to soak it all in. Um, as far as what made me attractive to them, I can't speak 100% <laughs> to that, except um, I, um, I try to always be uh, the hardest worker in the room. And I was, I was ready to learn and to dig in deep. And again, it was just a fantastic team to, to coach me through that. Cool. Cool. So now that you are, like I said, a consumer of research, you have been a researcher, so you know, what's good and what, what's not good. Mm -hmm. So, so tell us a little bit about, uh, how that works for you. The experience I gained on that first research team at auto really I, I didn't see it at the time, but I think it's positioned me very well for the rest of my career. Um, okay. you, you know how it is, Matt, you, you just understand the value of data so much more right. once you've been part of it. So, um, I, my, my current team here on the employment brand side is very research and data focused. Everything we do is driven by data and, mm -hmm. um, especially working in employment brand during things like the great resignation and quiet yeah. quitting and all these other terms that have been, you know, hot button issues for the past couple of years. It's been more important than ever for us to listen and understand the audiences we're, we're talking to. Yeah. You know, there's, uh, in, in my time in this space, I, I feel like there's been this seismic shift. Uh, I remember a research manager when I was, uh, when I was just a, a young guy uh, at uh, what is now Thomson Reuters, working in a giant corporation. And my research manager uh, was lamenting how all the people in the executive positions, none of them came from research, right? They came from sales. And uh, of course, you know, it's like, hey, you know, the closer you are to the dollar that comes in the door, uh, the more important you are, at least that was the thinking, but uh, it's really changed where uh, I love to hear you say that research has provided this excellent foundation for you, because I think there's a real appreciation for that, not just for the importance of data, but also um, how hard it is to get good data and being mm -hmm. able to recognize what's good and what's bad, what can help you and what can mislead you. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think especially nowadays, um, consumers, uh, so we're, we're talking consumer research here, consumers are just saturated with messages constantly. Everyone is vying for their attention. And I think brands and researchers and companies are learning to pivot. And instead of 
blasting these messages at consumers all the time, learning to take a step back and listen to what consumers are saying to them. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Preach. I love it. <laughs> Excellent. Um, all right. So, so let's, let's talk some music. Cool. Um, so you just released a debut EP. It's so cool. <laughs> it's gotta Thanks. be such a great feeling. Yes. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And uh, let me just say the production is really, really nice. You know, the voice is front and center. So I consider it very much a vocal album. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, whoever you got to play the drums, he's got some nice, tasty swing beats going on. So I'm, I'm really digging it. So <laughs> I just got gotta... Oh, I'm I'm so lucky to have this band. And it's funny you say that, actually, um, the drummer and then uh, the other two vocalists um the acoustic guitarist and the electric guitarist they're all cox employees as well so, really yeah yeah <laughs> that's awesome the company band exactly yeah i'm so jealous i've i've wanted that my whole life it's never happened <laughs> you, you be careful matt i work in employment branding i might just recruit you over here <laughs> uh oh look out. <laughs> look out um okay so uh before we before we talk about your record let's let's hear about how your interest in singing or music came about tell us about your journey yeah so music has always been part of my life um i started playing piano when I was five. I started performing when I was 12 piano. Um, um, so yeah, it's just always been very foundational to who I am. And I've always dreamed of recording and releasing music. And I'm just in a time of life and a place in life where I'm able to do that now. So um, holiday music in particular is very important to me. And um, as I was, you know, really digging in deep and committing to this. I was like, all right, let's, let's do it. Let's push out a holiday record before the end of the year. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's been just such a fun and rewarding experience. Great. Well, uh, for this holiday year, it will definitely uh, join my pantheon of favorite uh, holiday records, which uh, I like props. So all time favorite, uh, you get no argument from most people. It's the, the Vince Guaraldi, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas album. Oh yeah, um, top tier. Uh, absolutely. I'm also a big fan of the uh, the classic Elvis Christmas album, where yeah. he performs Blue Christmas just as you do on on this new record, Peppermint. So let's talk Peppermint. Uh, but before we do that, uh, let's just give it a quick listen, shall we? Cool. All right. While his eyes are blue as snow globes And he's no fool, I think he knows I try not to stare his way He's enough to drive a girl insane So I'm gonna be cool as peppermint So you can you can hear uh, some of that great contemporary loungy jazz feel, right? So I kind of think of like Diana Krall or people like that. It's just got such a nice, nice feel to it and a nice groove to it. Uh, really awesome stuff. So, so tell us about how this came about 
Uh, and then I'd love to hear about peppermint specifically because uh, a lot of the EP is sort of standards, right? Mm -hmm. But peppermint is an original composition. So uh, I'll throw that, I'll throw that over to you. Yeah. Uh, well, as, as far as the record as a whole, um, I was really empowered to do this project by my mentor here at Cox. Um, I mentioned we have an employee band. He, um, his name's John Kovac. Uh, if he's listening to this, uh, he's a music guy himself and a music appreciator. And he cobbled together this uh, ragtag group of employees who do yeah. events at Cox and, and that sort of thing. And um, that was really a pivotal moment, I think, for me, playing with these amazing musicians and having people having an audience at my day job. Like that's unbelievable. I never would have thought my marketing day job would intersect with my my music side. So that's the first thing. He really empowered me. He encouraged me. He was, I I confided in him about this project before anyone had listened to it. So a shout out to him. Um, as far as the the songs go and specifically peppermint. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a scary moment of vulnerability to put a, a song you wrote out in the universe, but, um, it was time it had been, um, I, I wrote and arranged it back in May, just, you know, it, it popped into my head while I was driving and I knew I liked it. So it was time to, to push it out into the universe and I'm, I'm thrilled to know so many people are enjoying it. Yeah, cool. You know, uh, so I play the drums, right? And uh, one thing that struck me as I was listening to it, thinking about the fact that it was an original composition is, uh, for me, I play drums in a punk band, right? So first of all, I'm already in the background because I'm the drummer. Second of all, you know, sloppiness, loudness is uh, is a virtue, right? And so you can, you know, you, you can make all the mistakes you want. You can just... <laughs> It's not really throwing yourself out there like it is with yours, with this really crisp vocal production. So it's your song. Your voice is right there front and center. That's got, that really does have to be a vulnerable kind of thing. Yeah, but, you know, again, I'm I'm lucky. I have a really supportive network of family and friends who are in my corner. And I've I've been encouraged all my life ever since I learned how to play the piano and sing. Um and it, it was time, you know, this, this is something yeah. that had been in my mind for honestly years and um, yeah, being, being able to put it out in the universe has been a lot of fun. Cool. Cool. Yeah. It, it helps when you have a wonderful voice and you have really cultivated, uh, you know, beautiful vocal technique. So, I mean, it's can't, I can't say enough about it. I was really impressed. So well, thanks. Stuff. Thanks. Lots of, lots of singing in the shower, lots of singing in the car. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. All right. So, so you have devoted so much time and effort to singing uh, in your life. Uh, and of course you've got a day job, corporate day job. Um, are there any lessons that you've learned and applied from one to the other? That's such an interesting question. Um, yeah, I, I think, music and marketing in particular have some very distinct similarities. They're, they're both storytelling. Um, yeah. they both require cohesion, you know, um, take, take peppermint, for example, they're common themes. I'm trying to reiterate throughout that song using, um, similes throughout it and holiday and winter types of, uh, you know, personifications and that kind of thing. It's yeah. the same, it's the same type of thing with marketing. You know, you got to have a clear story you're trying to tell and tell it in a clean way. 
So I, I think that's really the main thing is being a, an empathetic storyteller. That's mm -hmm. really the key to me. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, which uh, you could say that's the key to marketing as well. Exactly. So mm -hmm. cool. Awesome. So, so let's talk about, again, your, your move from being a researcher to now being a, a consumer of research. So you, that's probably, you know, expanded or, or grown your perspective on, on research, I would imagine. So uh, from your seat, you know, there's so much changing in this space. Like you said, you know, consumers have little attention spans and, and all that good stuff. So what does the future of data or consumer research look like from your vantage point? Ooh, well, so I, I would go back to what I said earlier. I think um, consumers and especially uh, the younger generation of consumers that are entering the marketplace are more cynical of brand voices than yeah. arguably any that came before them because they are surrounded by advertising all the time. They're extremely discerning. And I don't, I don't mean this in a negative way. I think some pessimism as a consumer is a good thing, but I, to me, that's the biggest shift is you have to be sensitive to the fact that your consumers aren't looking for you to blow your own horn all the time. Right. Like they, they yeah. don't, they don't care for these messages about look how great we are. Like it's, it's fluff. You have yeah. to be sensitive to the fact that they need quick messages. They have short yeah. attention spans. They want to hear what's in it for them quickly and they want to get out. It's as simple as that. Yeah. You know, I, I read a really interesting think piece last night where, uh, you know, so much of marketing um, over the past 10 or 15 years uh, about messaging that we've heard is, is about connecting to, to a broader goal, right? So forget about the product. You know what is what is the consumer really trying to accomplish? What are their their bigger goals or bigger dreams? And a lot of marketing messaging has sort of been around that rather than what specifically the product does. So solving a bigger problem. Um, and the thought piece said that um, that age is done because consumers are onto us, particularly younger consumers. They figured that out. They don't have the time to draw the connection between you know, what their life goals are and what this product is going to do for them tomorrow. So I think it's, there's some rethinking that needs to be done based on, you know, what consumers are like now and what they've, what they've been able to figure out. <laughs> You're absolutely right, Matt. And especially in, you know, my focus is employment brand and mm -hmm. helping people get hired at Cox. And if you think yeah. about the job search journey, and I hope it's okay that I say this on your podcast, like what a pain in the ass that is. Sure. Like, <laughs> All good. Uh, I, I should have asked you that before we started, it's all good. Uh, but it's, it's a pain in the ass, right? Searching for your job. So yes, we, we do want to be true to our brand and help consumers understand what, um, what our company is like and who we are, but they also are looking for that quick hitting information about what are my healthcare benefits? Right. Why is this place different from any of the other jobs I've applied to? Um, and that's that's what we're trying to lean into here at Cox. Yeah, cool. That makes sense. All right, Elizabeth. So you're you're a busy person, right? Obviously, you listen to music. I figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're also very attuned to your job. So um, thinking about the, the the limited time that you have to consume media interested to know what media you consume either for insight uh, or enjoyment. Mm. 
I, I am busy and I'm learning to compartmentalize more like music versus marketing and that sort of thing. I've gotten better at it, but there are certainly times either during the work day or after the work day when it's time to, it's time for a refresh. Um, I, I would honestly say maybe this is too on the nose, but I, I would say the biggest way I reset my brain is by playing piano. Uh, that's always been just, you know, cathartic for me. And I've, I've got my, my keyboard here in my apartment. So there are, there are times, sometimes I need to step away from my computer and take a few minutes to just, you know, I, it could be working on an arrangement or doing a song for an upcoming, you know, performance at Cox or something like that. But yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that counts as consuming media, but besides that, I'm, I'm a big reader as well. So I find that's the most effective way to clear the cobwebs. Um, and then, you know, go into the movies, all, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have a, do you have a holiday performance that you do at Cox? Actually? Yes. It's, uh, it's coming up on uh, the 14th, I think I, I should probably know the date, but uh, Cox has an annual big uh, Toys for Tots event that they do at our main campus in Atlanta. It's a big holiday celebration. So me and the band will be uh, will be set up there and performing. <laughs> now, do you have those times when, uh, let's say, an internal client of yours or something like they don't know you're a singer, and all of a sudden they see you on stage, and then they hear this big voice, they're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> well, it's it's so funny how the tables have turned because it did start out that way, you know. People yeah. I work with are like, I didn't know you played piano. I didn't know you sang. <laughs> and now I I pass people in the cafeteria or that kind of thing, and they do this. They're like, Oh, you're the piano girl. <laughs> and um, they they don't even. They're like, Do you work here? I'm like, Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, too funny. Yeah, I had that experience uh, years ago when I worked for GFK. We had you know some big sales offsite or whatever, and there was a band that was hired to play, and then all of a sudden. Someone's like, oh my God, that's Audra Preluck, you know, one of our coworkers. And she's up on stage, just had this huge voice. Uh, so I actually had her on the podcast. I think she was episode number two, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I've had that moment on the other side. It's like, oh my God, where did that voice come from? Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. All right. Super cool. Um, all right. So this is this is what I really want to know. Um, oh gosh. and I'm very curious, right? I'm curious because I've I've heard your music, you've put it out there to the world. Um, so it's a different question than asking who your influencer influences are, right? Uh, but imagine yourself, Elizabeth, you're stranded on a desert island, right? Uh, you've got a record player because it's got to be vinyl. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, and you have three records of your choosing to keep you company for the rest of your days. What are they? Wow. I, I love that question. And I can already tell it's going to be one that I think of later. And I'm like, oh, I should have said this. Um, well, let me start by saying this. My music taste is weird. It's not even okay. like, I can't even say it's eclectic, right? I have great music taste. It's just strange. Like my Spotify <laughs> wrapped is, it's embarrassing. So <laughs> let me, let me start with that. So, okay. So the first thing I'll say is I, um, I love musical theater and Broadway and show tunes. And I, I like listening to albums that have a story with them. I think that's why. So I got to have some show tunes out there on this island. So I will say um, Les Miserables is one of my favorites. And yeah, yeah. My, my favorite recording is, I think it's, oh gosh, is it 1988 or 1998? It's a symphonic cast recording and it's just 
a masterpiece and that should keep me occupied for a while. So that's, that's number one. Very nice. Yeah. Are you a, are you a Les Mis fan as well? Matt? Uh, I'm, I'm more of a, a My Fair Lady fan, but mm, uh, yeah. that's okay. <laughs> and that, that's actually one of my favorite pieces of vinyl I have is the original cast recording of My Fair Lady. But... Me too. I have that as well. <laughs> Look at this. A man of taste. Okay. Guilty, we're going down a rabbit hole. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Les Mis. Um, number two, um, I think probably something with a little bit of soul to it. You know, I'm going to need some cheering up on that desert island sure. so um uh, maybe like i have a, a a monkeys record i really love or maybe um the monkeys yeah yeah nice. um, maybe marvin gay and uh oh gosh i've forgotten them it's the yellow record united oh ah, wow. okay yeah, yeah that yeah. could be a good one so you know something with a little bebop into it <laughs> might be nice okay um, so do we count that as marvin gay or do we count that as Let's do Marvin Gaye. Yeah, that, okay, that yeah. feels right to Good me. Stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, and then number three, I'm going to go with something more modern. Um, and so my my favorite modern currently active artist is Lana Del Rey. I'm influenced oh, by her sound yeah, a lot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's just, it's, oh gosh. So I'll say Lana Del Rey, uh, her honeymoon record. That's my favorite yeah. she has. So yeah. that'll be, that'll be number three outstanding excellent excellent uh well i should say that uh this week um once again thanks to david corsero uh it was episode 77 i think he said matt why don't you do a spotify playlist for the rock and roll research podcast all of these desert island discs so this week i'm going to get to it so i'm going to add your uh choices to that playlist uh and you know with your permission i will also add peppermint i would love for people to be able to hear that please uh, yeah beautiful stuff so cool awesome excellent well uh i hope everybody checks that out again spotify apple music itunes amazon wherever you get your music uh check out elizabeth salisbury's peppermint just in time for the holidays so great stuff um thanks so much elizabeth i've really enjoyed this really glad we met so uh let's talk soon and rock and roll rock and roll matt thanks so much Perfect.